Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Hey fam, welcome back to another episode of the MILF Bod Podcast. I'm not going to lie, this has got to be one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded so far. I'm sitting down today with my good friend, Nikki Mitchell, and speaking on so many different topics than I normally talk about. Everything from aliens to Playboy to breast cancer prevention to her medium slash psychic abilities to little life synchronicities and everything in between. This episode is a little different than previous ones, and I really think you all are going to love it just as much as I did. Nikki has such an incredible life story, and she also has a podcast of her own called Hen House, where she talks to all walks of life about anything and everything. We actually did a little podcast swap, so be sure to go check out my episode on there, along with all the other amazing episodes that her and her co-host have recorded. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate and review the show. Enjoy, everybody. All right, you guys, calling all creatives of LA or anyone traveling to the LA area in need of an event space, photo studio, content location, video space, production services, or grip services. Issue Studio is a unique photo, video, and event space, and Issue offers full-service production in an exclusive, intimate, and private boutique environment. The space is so beautifully curated, you guys, and I can't tell you how many shoots I've done at Issue that have turned out to be some of my favorite shoots to date. Not to mention a bunch of amazing events I've attended over the years where the studio gets completely transformed into the best atmosphere for the perfect party. Also, you guys, the wallpaper in the makeup room is absolutely iconic and it's perfect for the Instagram feed. So I highly recommend Issue Studio for any brand or any influencer looking to elevate their image. It is seriously the most beautiful studio I've ever shot at. And I've shot at a lot of studios here in LA and it's just so clean. It's centrally located. There's a huge parking lot, which is huge here in LA. So go check it out at issuephotostudio.com to find more details about how you can book this amazing space for your next photo shoot, video production, content creation, party, event, whatever it is that any of you creatives need here in LA, Issue Studio has got you. So go check it out. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course, you're the second person on the show who is not a mama. So you should feel very honored. And as I was telling you before on your podcast, when you guys interviewed me, like, I don't want to exclusively interview mothers. I want to interview anybody and everybody who has a story. And I feel like your story is so amazing. But first, I just want to tell the audience like how we met. So we met when I was pregnant. We have a mutual friend. Jamie is our mutual friend. But Josh, you've also known Josh, my man, for 
How long has it been now? Oh, like 15 years. I've known Josh longer than Jamie, actually. Oh, wow. Because you knew Josh when you first shot for Playboy, right? Right. And I was only 18. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I didn't meet Jamie until just a couple years later. Okay. Yeah. So we all had dinner together one night when I was pregnant. And yeah, we just hit it off. And this is when you were shooting the cover for your podcast, which is amazing, Hen House. And we'll get into all of that. So we're kind of doing like a podcast swap because I was on your podcast when you were doing it solo. And then you and Candice came together and you guys are co-hosting now, which is amazing. And you guys were generous enough to have me on that as well. And that was so fun. I loved that. Oh, yeah. We had so much fun and the conversation flowed so easily. And the amount of people that loved that first episode back, like Cherry on Top, the one with you. Everyone was commenting and writing me like, I love the three of you together. So we have to just do it every once in a while, I think. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you're in LA, even if we're just sitting in here, like shooting the shit and just drinking wine, like that's That's what we should do. That's the best conversations. I know. It was so fun. So I would love for you to just back up and tell the audience your story. Tell me about your childhood, where you grew up. Yeah. So I grew up in Fairfield, Ohio, Mm -hmm. a little smaller town. It's like about 30 minutes north of Cincinnati. Okay. So I grew up there. I lived there my whole life. And until about five years ago, I moved out to Scottsdale, Arizona. And great family, love them dearly, have one brother. And I just never really felt like it was the right place for me to live. Even as like a young child, I just felt like the world is so big. This cannot be the only place that I live for the rest of my life. So packed up like all my shit in Uh my car Uh five years ago with my two dogs and drove out to Arizona. And I was- Two babies. My two babies. So you are a dog mom. Let's just clarify that. And Buns, rest in peace, Buns, recently just passed. She did. Today's her 16th birthday, actually. Today? Today. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. Wait, what's the date today? April? April 21st. Yeah, so she would have been 16 today. So it's been an emotional morning. But you know what? I'm so excited to be here and like talk about happy things with you. And so it was kind of meant to be, I think. But she's probably here with us. She's probably like, yeah, go mom, get it. She definitely (laughs) is. And that story that you told me, so we went out of town to Cabo and you stayed and watched our little chihuahua baby, Brandy. And you were telling me about how the universe is so crazy, how, you know, you had this amazing dream about buns and she was like surrounded by a bunch of butterflies. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little butterfly in our house that Josh had found like on the road and brought it back home for Hunter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so you sent me a picture of that and then there was something else. You wanted to name your a new Chihuahua Moon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of days after she passed away, I had this dream and she was like surrounded by all these orange like monarch butterflies, which I've never been a big butterfly person. Right. And so I felt like she was really like sending me all these butterflies. And I was like, gosh, now I'm like obsessed with orange butterflies. Yeah. So, you know, I fed Brandy at your house and I was like doing the dishes mm-hmm. at the sink. Literally right behind the sink, there's this orange butterfly like majestically flying around these plants, right? And I'm like, oh my God, my heart. Like, oh my gosh. And I'm big into signs. Like I think really deeply into signs. So I'm like, oh, that's my baby. And then, you know, I'm packing her things to be able to come to the studio to record because I had to bring her with me, of course. Mm -hmm. 
And I look down and like Hunter has this little table in the kitchen and there's all these like learning cards sitting there. Yeah. And it just happens to be the one that's like facing up the first one. It says moon. And then a couple cards after that, the only other one that you can see out of the whole deck is two cards. One says moon and one says heart. Oh my gosh. I know. Wow. Mm -hmm. So after she passed, I was like, I'm going to get another 12 one day. I have to have another one. Yeah. And this time I'm going to name it Moon. And so I thought it was really special. Yeah. And I love that you pay attention to those little signs. I think that more people should pay attention to the little things because they're all around us. You just have to pay attention. Yeah. You'll miss it if you're not looking. Yeah. I don't know. It just helps me feel more positive throughout the day. It does. And we're all so intertwined. And if people would pay attention to us all being connected in a way, I think the world would be a little less cruel. Absolutely. And we would be a little more kind to each other because we really are all so connected. You just have to be willing to pay attention to that. Yeah. Okay. Back to your story. You moved out to Arizona five years ago? Yeah. Five years. Okay. April 30th will be five years. Wow. So tell me about what happened in between then, because I know that you were in Playboy when you were 18. You also have some really amazing abilities that I would love to dive into and talk more about. You know, I would love to talk about your double mastectomy because I feel like that's very important to talk about. So wherever you want to begin. Okay, yeah. So when I was 18, uh, I posed for Playboy. That's how I met Josh. Yeah, he was one of the first photographers for me to pose with. So it's not weird, but it is like that your man has seen me naked. When I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it's odd, but it was in such a professional, like... Yeah, at the beginning, when we first started dating, I found it weird. But now it's just, I'm so used to it and I'm so desensitized to it that I'm like, oh yeah, it's just another day at work for him. It is. It's no no big deal. But from the outside world, people are always like, isn't that weird? Yeah, I'm like, not until you bring it up. Yeah, people don't really get it unless you're kind of in this industry. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Pose for Playboy, like such a fun experience. And, you know, met so many people that I'm still so close with today from that. And so loved that. And then I was in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. That was another thing that I like. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Yes. How did I not know that? Yeah. So, you know, it's such a long movie. It's like a two and a half hour long movie. But yeah. So I was in like the second yacht scene. It's a little over like two hours long. But if you watch, you'll be able to see me. And I'm just sitting there naked, like sunbathing right next to Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. I think when I watched it once with Josh, he mentioned it. Okay. Now that I am thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like a really fun time. Also, something I really won't ever forget. And then it was like a couple years later, um, I had gotten this like package in the mail and it was from my dad's side of the family, which I don't have a relationship with at Mm -hmm. all. Um, My dad has like never been in my life. So it was weird. I mean, I opened it and it was a lot of like paperwork on a specific gene mutation that that side of the family has. So thankfully, they even remembered to say, hey, we need to tell you about this. But Mm -hmm. I was saying that they were all very high risk for certain types of cancer. It's called BRCA. And there's a couple of different mutations with that. So I remember I took it to my doctor and I asked, you know, what exactly this was. And she said, you know, I think we need to just wait a few years to even test you for it. Because right now you're so young that even if you did test positive at this point, it would be like drastic changes that you would need to make. 
So like, let's wait a little bit. So how old were you at this point when you received this? I was 21. Okay. And does she mean drastic changes like to your lifestyle, to your diet? Like, what does she mean when she says that? So she was more so meaning unless I was ready to take pretty huge measures to prevent getting cancer, Mm -hmm. like as in having a double mastectomy or having a hysterectomy, Mm -hmm. then there was really no reason to test me right then because I was only 21. Okay. But once you get, you know, closer to 30, your risk continues to go up more. Right. So it was always in the back of my mind, but I didn't get tested right away. I waited and I think I was 25 when I finally did get tested. And I remember going in, it was a huge blood test that I had to do. Mm -hmm. And it took a little while for the results to come in. And I called for my results and they said, yeah, we can't give them to you over the phone. You're going to need to come in. So I knew right then that I was probably positive. Oh, gosh. And it was my gynecologist that did the test. So I went in. She had like a sit down talk with me and she's like, you know what? I've never seen in my career someone test so high for this gene. Wow. Yeah. And she told me that usually people are around like 50% if they have the gene Mm -hmm. um, of developing breast cancer. I was at 92% of developing breast cancer. And that was only at 25. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So from there, it was kind of going over what are you going to do to prevent it? Or are you going to not do anything and just go ahead and live life? Right. So, you know, at that point, it was something that I really, really struggled with, the decision to actually go forward with it or not. I can't even imagine. Like, do you remember in that moment, like your initial feeling when she told you that you were 92% at risk? At first, I was in a little bit of shock, you know, because it's not that she was telling me I had cancer. It was, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to. Right. I don't know which one's worse. I think so. And I think I struggled with a lot of guilt too, because, you know, after the initial shock, I was very emotional about it and very much like, why the fuck is this happening to me? What is happening? And then the next thought would come in my mind that would be like, well, Nikki, you're not allowed to feel that way because you should be grateful that you don't have cancer. Right. Because people out there are getting told left and right they have cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's devastating, right? And so I felt like I never could process my emotions accurately because that feeling that you get that, you know what, you should be grateful for what you have and that you don't have cancer. So I never allowed myself to process those emotions, I think. I think I always just shoved them deep down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now do you think you've kind of dealt with them in a way or? I do. I think that um, at the time with only being 25 and. Yeah, you're so young. It's young. And I think, you know, I would talk to people about it and kind of get people's input on it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times when I would talk about it, people would say, you shouldn't do that. You could die in a car accident tomorrow. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to like go get your tits cut off? And then you could never get cancer in your life, right? So they looked at it more of like a dramatic sense versus a way of taking charge of my life sort of a thing. And my family was supportive either way. They were very like, it's your decision. You're going to have to do what you think. But it wasn't really until I talked to Jamie, our mutual friend, Mm -hmm. and she gave me a much different perspective on the situation. You know, Jamie and I are 10 years apart. So she's always been 
that older sister that I never had right. to just give it to me straight with no bullshit. And she was like, I feel like she's very like that too. Oh she gosh. has no filter. She has no, she gives <laughs> no, no fucks whatsoever. Which is amazing. I love that about her. I do too. She's very assertive, very much like knows who she is and mm-hmm. she's just going to say it. And so when I talked to her about it, she basically told me, she's like, you know, you need to look at it more so as like, this is your life. You need to take charge of your life. And if it were me, I would have already had the surgery done. I would have already went through with it because I want to be here with my family and my children and be able to live a long life and do what I can to help that happen. Right. And at that point, when she flipped the narrative for me a little bit, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? You are really right. And it's, I know we can all lose our lives tomorrow from various different reasons, right? But I think taking charge of what you can do and um, making the changes of what you can control to try and, you know, help yourself have the best outcome, that's what I decided to do. And I think you absolutely 100% made the correct decision because had you not, I feel like that would have just caused so much anxiety, just living in the fear and not knowing what the next day brings or always having that in the back of your mind. And so I think it just probably gave you a sense of almost security in a way, knowing that, okay, I'm just going to go through with this. So that way I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, it did take a lot of pressure, I think, off of me. Leading up to it, I think I definitely went through like very much of a depression. I can imagine. That's a huge internal battle. Oh, huge internal battle. And I had like gained 40 pounds, like just eating like Papa John's pizza with the garlic butter, like every Mm -hmm. single day, just eating my feelings away. And I had just gotten to a point where I was like just drowning myself in sorrow, right? So also looking back to, I was thinking about this this morning because I knew we were going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back to, I think it was one of those things where I'm like, at such a young age, at 18, posing for Playboy, you develop this feeling of people are judging you on your body and how you look and especially right. how you look naked. And it made a very big imprint in my life at such a young age. Definitely. At 18, that I think, too, I was really overthinking, how am I going to explain this to someone? Like when I start dating somebody, am I going to be embarrassed? Am I not going to be able to be naked in front of them? Or all of these things because mastectomies leave scars. Right. And so I think I was really overthinking that whole process. And again, Jamie's like, if somebody doesn't want to date you because you have scars on your chest, then they're not the one anyways. Absolutely not. And if you think about it too, like my friends and I always put this into perspective or we always use this as an example. Like if one of us is feeling down about something, it's like if you take your clothes off and get naked in front of a guy, do you think that they would ever walk out on you? No. No, absolutely not. They so, wouldn't. Never. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They don't even care. No, they you don't know? care. No. But I get that mentality, especially when you're that age. I mean, it's so important. And especially, like you said, you know, posing for Playboy, I'm sure that made such a huge impact on the way that you thought about your body, which I also want to get back into, too, about Playboy. Like, how did that even happen? Oh, yeah. So years I was watching The Girls Next Door. Like, oh, love that show. Love that show. By the way, I randomly saw Holly Madison at Craig's last night. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. So anyways, um, (laughs) full circle moment there. 
so, you know, I had been watching Girls Next Door for a long time and I just like loved the show and I loved Hef and I loved that world so much. And I kept making comments. I think that came out when I was like 15 maybe. And I kept making comments to my mom throughout the years. Like, I want to pose for Playboy. I want to do that. You know, when Mm -hmm. I turn 18 and she just like kind of laughed it off, you know. And so then once I turned 18, I'm like, remember what I had been saying? Like, I'm going to need you to take those photos for me. So I can send them in. Like I literally went on and this was like the days where the internet was, it was like not as big as it is today. No. Yeah. So I remember going on and like going to the Playboy website and finding how you can submit photos in. Mm -hmm. I had my mom take a couple of pictures for me on my bed in my bedroom. Oh my God. I love that your mom did it for you. She did. She definitely did. What? An amazing mom. Yeah. Well, at the time, I felt like I didn't have any friends that were that trustworthy. Like, remember in high school, right? Where it's like, you know, it was my senior year of high school. I didn't want someone to tell someone. Right. Right. So I asked my mom because I knew she wasn't going to tell anybody. Yeah. And it was so funny because it's not like we could go to like Walgreens or CVS to get them printed. We had to print them at home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we bought like this little printer that hooked up to our digital camera Mm -hmm. and printed them from home. Amazing. And I mailed them off. Oh my God. Hard copies. Hard copies in the mail traveling all that way. That is so cool. That's such a cool story. And then what? You got a phone call or like, did they send you a letter back? How did they? Yeah. So I got a phone call and it was fast. I mean, I got a phone call maybe a couple weeks later Mm -hmm. and they called and they invited me out to do a photo shoot. And that's when I met Josh. Oh my. Did Josh do your first ever test for Playboy? He actually did my first ever photo shoot ever for Playboy. And it wasn't it wasn't a test to be playmate. It was for their online stuff. And okay. so we were in this mansion and I don't, God, I don't even remember where we were, but we were in this <laughs> huge ass house. I had never been in a mansion ever before in my life, yeah. you know? And I'm like, gosh, this is so beautiful. And like all these girls are standing around all naked and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I mean, I remember Cherokee. I got my homework to go on the plane. Like I, I got... This is the best story. Yeah, I got it to go. Like, I asked my teachers for all my homework. I was going to be out for a few days. And so I literally did it on the plane. <laughs> to go shoot for Playboy. To this is- go shoot for Playboy. Wow. Yeah, I mean. That's just amazing. It's a funny story it, looking it, back. It doesn't mm-hmm. get any better than that. No. And were you nervous? like, Or were you just, like, how did you feel? I was super nervous because I didn't have a lot of sexual experience. Right. At that point. Yeah. And so I was nervous for that because the photographers are telling you how to look and you need to look sexy and like pout your lips and scenarios. Exactly. Like you're getting ready to like go have sex with someone. I'm like, I've barely really (laughs) even done that at this point. Right. Right. So it's one of those things that you look back and you're like, you totally faked it. Like you totally faked it till you made it. Oh, you know, it's I was pretending. I was like, oh, this probably looks hot, but who knows? Right. So um, Josh, I will say, was very, very chill in comparison to the other photographers there. His approach was more like, let's just have fun. Yeah, and make the person feel comfortable. And he made me feel very comfortable. We were in this wine cellar Mm -hmm. in in this basement, and I was on the staircase going up, and it was at nighttime, so it was very dark and moody. And he was just like, let's just have fun. Like, who cares? Yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay, yeah, let's just have fun. And it was a much (laughs) different approach, I think, than trying to look sexy. Like, there was a lot more images of me with, like, 
smirking or like laughing a little bit more or yeah, just, just more playful. natural and candid. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think that's why Josh is so good at what he does because he's really good at making people feel comfortable on set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so important to do that because then it translates through the photos. It really does. Yeah. And it looks like I was having fun. You can tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So we digress, but I'm so glad that I asked that story because you doing your homework on the plane to go shoot for Playboy is just I mean, I could end the episode here and be happy. Like, that's just that's just incredible. And you know how big, like, history books were back then? And, oh, like, yeah. I remember I had government class and history class, and those books were, like, so thick. Thick as fuck. <laughs> yeah, with all the homework, like, lugging it around the airport, and I'm sitting there, oh. and I've got my books cracked open for my five-hour flight, doing oh, all of my, my homework. God. It's just—it's so funny. And then once I got there, actually— the lady that was doing my makeup, she's like, so what do you do for a living? I was like, well, um, it's my senior year of high school. Like I'll be graduating in a few months. And she's like, don't tell anyone else that. (laughs) Don't tell anyone that story. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And at the time I was a little bit embarrassed because like, I don't have a living yet. Like I worked at a tanning bed and like, yeah, because that's what you do when you're in high school. Yeah, I was yeah. like, well, I don't have a living. Like, I live at home <laughs> yeah, and I go to so high school, cute. you know? And so looking back now, it's funny because no wonder she told me not to tell anybody else that story. Yeah. She's like, don't don't ever say that again. Just, <laughs> just put that away. That is amazing. So after you shot for them, then did you just go back home and resume your normal life? Or what happened after that? Yeah, so I went back home and back to high school, back mm-hmm. to my normal back life. Back to reality. <laughs> and um, then when the pictures were put out, everybody found out. Of course, yeah. And I wasn't able to go to school anymore. I had to be homeschooled the remainder of my senior year. I did not walk at graduation. Mm. I Because the girls were so evil and mean to me after that, that— I had no support. Like, they were showing up at my house, trying to fight me, like, in the front yard, um, following me around, egging my car. What? Oh, yes. At one point, like, someone printed all of my photos on Playboy, and they plastered them all over my grandparents' car outside. Oh, my gosh. It was such a nightmare. But also, you know, people are catty in high school. I was bullied so bad that I was, at that point, like, very fearful that I was going to get beat up every Mm -hmm. day and jumped every day. Mm. So I stopped going to school. It just wasn't worth it. I didn't go to my senior prom. I didn't walk at graduation. And I was well past that era of my life anyways for quite some time. And it was just like, you know what? I just want to feel safe. And right now I don't feel safe anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it made you so much stronger. Like your skin got thicker from that for sure. It did. Yes. I mean, I can't believe the girls are just so catty. That's crazy. They were it's like something so straight out of a movie. That's like Mean mm-hmm. Girls. Oh, yes. Completely Mean Girls. And there was very few people at that point, I felt like, in my hometown that was actually supportive anymore. Mm. Like, I had one friend left, which <sighs> she's a real friend. We're still friends to this day. Oh, good. But I think that experience helped me realize that the people that you think sometimes are your friends in life, they're not. They're, yeah. they're just not. And that's okay. That's not your people. And the more you grow and evolve, you meet people who are your tribe and who like stick by you. Definitely. And it just takes time to find those people. Yeah. The older I get, the smaller my friend circle gets. Oh, same. Yeah. And I love it because you create closer connections with those people Mm -hmm. and it's not so surface level. 
All right, my MILF fam, as you all know, I'm always looking for ways to aid in becoming the most optimal version of myself mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And one of the things I do to support myself in doing this is by taking my vitamins every single day. And I know it can be overwhelming sometimes with all of the supplement brands out there, but one brand that I've been a huge fan of for years now is Wealthy. Two products I absolutely love by them is the Her and the Sweat. And they just recently sent me the Vision Gummies, which I am so excited to try and see the results from. Get it? See the results from the Vision Gummies? Which I think is so cool that they are pioneering advocacy for vision health because, you know, we're always looking at our screens every day. And it's something that I think a lot of people just put on the back burner and dismiss. But the Her is a great way for women to get their daily dose of biotin, vitamins A, B, C, D, E, calcium, hyaluronic acid, magnesium, and selenium. Just all of the great things that us women need and are probably lacking and it's all in one. And then the sweat is something I like to take before a workout to just help enhance my burn with the natural caffeine. And there's also dandelion root in there to help with my metabolism and digestion. The quality of these supplements are just next level. And I'm telling you, you have to go check them out. If you use the code MILFBOD, you get 25% off your first order when you go check out at imwealthy.com. That's code MILFBOD, M-I-L-F-B-O-D at checkout at imwealthy, I-M-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com to get 25% off your first order. Enjoy, everybody. So let's, I guess, get back to you got the package in the mail when you were 21. And so Mm -hmm. how long did it take you to decide to go through with the decision to get the double mastectomy? Yeah. So then I I found out I tested positive when I was 25. 25. Oh, yes. And then after that, I, you know, I waited a couple of years. I went back and forth a while about it and Mm -hmm. was just very confused. And also, you know, I was in an 11-year relationship and that was coming to an end also. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, when you're going through a lot in life and you feel like, oh my God, like it's one thing after another, after another. Like when it rains, it pours. Yes. But then there's something like so beautiful that happens right after all of that. Definitely. So like I said, I was depressed. I was eating the Papa John's pizza with the garlic butter for a long time, (laughs) um, like day after day. The 11-year relationship ended and I had my mastectomy on Valentine's Day of 2018. Oh my God, Valentine's Day. Did you choose that or they just scheduled it on Valentine's Day? So I finally had decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I Mm -hmm. wanted to wait till after the holidays were over. And so I had called to make the appointment and they were like, hold on a second. And it's so weird how this happened. But I was looking at a calendar and I already knew it was going to be February 14th. Like I already knew they were going to come back on the phone and say that. Yep. And so they came back on the phone. They said, you're probably not going to want this day, but what about February 14th? And I was like, (laughs) yes, I'm going to do it. Because my soul already knew that I was going to do it that day Mm -hmm. before they even told me. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? It's meant to be. That's when I'm going to do it. 
So that's the day that I went in and did it. And it was so great because I had the cancer doctor, it was an oncologist Mm -hmm. um, who did the actual, she took out, you know, all my breast tissue. And then her husband was the plastic surgeon. Oh, wow. So they did it all in one swipe. They took out all of my breast tissue. um, So then everything was gone. And then he just came in right after and put in the implants. I didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know you could do that. That's amazing. Yes. And so typically... When this happens, because I didn't already have cancer, Mm -hmm. there wasn't trauma already to the area. Right. So I had a little bit more flexibility to make some different kinds of decisions that unfortunately, when you have cancer and then you're getting a mastectomy, you don't get to make those decisions. Okay. So I had a little more flexibility. And I also, I already had like double D boobs naturally. Yeah. So I wanted to look the same. Yeah. So I wasn't- your natural boobs are- and Josh talks about them they like so still great. to this day. Yeah, they, they were great. Yeah. I'll have to show you later. I've seen them. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen they them. They're so beautiful. Like they were, they were so good. And so I think I struggled with that too. Cause I I'm just sure. loved my boobs. It was yeah. like, no, you everyone has the their one their thing identifier. that they just love, yeah. right? It was my boobs for me. No, it's just funny how life sometimes throws those wrenches at you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is funny how we like favor one thing. And then of course, that one thing that you loved so much about yourself is Mm -hmm. the one thing that you had to have taken away. But yeah, I think that moments like that in our lives just catapult us to the next level and it makes Mm -hmm. us stronger. And now I'm sure your boobs still look amazing because did they recreate them exactly how your natural boobs were? Yeah. So I wanted to look the same from the outside. And so what I didn't find out until later on was that implants are much different than natural boobs, Mm. much different. Like the feeling is different, the heaviness, the everything. And so what they did was they created these mesh pockets and they put the implants in those. So they're on top of my muscle, okay, not under my muscle. And the mesh pockets are what holds the implants there for me. So Hmm. it's interesting, but yeah, it was more so like... They're very heavy. You know, looking back when I go to get them redone, which I told myself I was not going to ever get them redone until I absolutely had to, but they're very heavy and very like uncomfortable. So I want to get Mm. them redone to something smaller. Okay. Because implants just feel different. Yeah. Yeah. As in like, it's a lot heavier than having natural boobs. It is. And, you know, natural boobs are like squishy. You know, you lay on your side and they just like kind of squish, right? Right implants like they don't move like I would lay on my side and they're just sitting there heavy oh yeah um and so yeah you know looking back I probably should have gotten them a little smaller I think I was very desperate to just like feel like myself yeah so which is valid yeah totally so I ended up just getting them just a normal size from what I was used to right Mm -hmm. wow and it was so nice too Josh had taken me to one of his good friends is a plastic surgeon here and so He took me there for an appointment and kind of, he talked to me before I had the surgery done Mm -hmm. and he told me like how to really minimize my scars. And so I had gotten these scar strips from him, which I feel like anyone who's like going to go through um, a process where they're going to have a scar, they're absolutely amazing. And you put them over the scar after the incision has like you're done with your surgery and you put them over the incision scar. And the way that he explained it is, is, it's almost like tape and it mm-hmm. keeps the skin together on the sides of the scar. So your skin is never going like this oh. and creating a bigger scar. It's, okay. all, it's like stayed together. Oh. So I was very good about wearing those scar strips. I wore them for months after my surgery mm-hmm. and my scar is very, very thin. 
super very minimal. small. You can't even really hardly see it. Wow. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that my body healed good, good. after that. And I do think it was from the scar strips. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good tip for anyone out there. Mm-hmm. Shout out Garth Fisher. <laughs> Shout out Garth Fisher. He was so kind. He's the best. To, yeah. He's yeah. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Nikki. Oh, crazy. Craziness. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you deal with that mentally afterwards? Were you struggling still or were you kind of like, okay, I got that done with like, let's move on to the next chapter of my life. You know, mentally, I still think I still struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that um, I don't feel like has like totally healed mentally. Mm -hmm. So I went to therapy for a few times after the mastectomy, which I really loved the woman that I was seeing. But it was shortly after that I moved to Arizona. I mean, I had my mastectomy, you know, Valentine's Day that year. And April 30th of that same year, I moved to Arizona. Oh, wow. So I think Arizona for me was like my saving grace. Mm -hmm. I think that it allowed me to get my mind off of what was happening because it was a cross-country move. Yeah. I think that that was something that kind of helped me start looking forward to like, oh, I've got to heal. So because I'm moving. Like a fresh start. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So then when I moved out to Arizona, it's funny, I tried therapy at a couple of different places. Mm Mm-hmm. And they started like telling me all their problems in their life instead of, but I feel like everybody does that. Like I'm a therapist to everybody. Yeah. I think it's just the energy that you put out because mm-hmm. you're very nurturing. Mm-hmm. It just naturally happens probably. It naturally happens. But I'm like, <laughs> bitch, could you please stop like, talking I'm, about yourself? I'm paying for you to help yes. me. Like it's not the other way around. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, uh, look, I just got my boobs chopped off. Could somebody like just listen to me for one second? Right. Yeah. So I tried a couple of different times and That's how it was consistently. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go to therapy anymore. It kind of put like a bad taste in my mouth. And I still, I admit still to this day, I should go to therapy. I think everybody should. I do too. Yeah. And um, so I do think that I need to find a good fit. So I think I gave up easy Mm -hmm. with it. And so I just need to find like a good fit for me. Someone who's going to actually like listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It takes a lot of trial and error with therapists because Mm -hmm. I've tried out many that I just don't really vibe with. And I've finally found someone that I really, really like. So maybe I can give you her info. Yes. I would love to find someone that I can just tell everything to. And it's super helpful and important for everybody. And it's like, there's a big stigmatism around therapy in general. People think like, oh, you're, you're crazy or something Mm -hmm. if you have to go to therapy, but no, everybody has to go through and work through things that they're dealing with. And it's just nice to be able to have that outlet and to have a professional perspective on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think mental is just as important as physical. Absolutely. Because you could be, you know, very healthy and working out all the time and taking care of your physical body so much. But if your mental is like gone to shit, you're not going to live a fulfilled life. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Right. If anything, I think mental is more important. I do too. So yeah, there's so many other things that I want to talk about, especially... I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about like your medium abilities yeah, and, yeah. and your whole journey with that, because that's something that really, really interests me. And I'm so happy that you're now diving into that 
portion of your life. Because I know for a long time that you chose to suppress it. And Mm -hmm. for good reason, like you told me a little bit about it, like when you were a child, you know, you would say certain things and your family would be like, Nikki, don't say that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we're younger, of course, we want to obey our parents or our elders. And so you think that you're doing something wrong or bad. But now recently, you've kind of open yourself up to it and explored it more. So tell me a little bit about that yeah, journey so, for you. And again, going back to moving to Arizona, I mm-hmm. think because Arizona is a very spiritual place. Yes. And I think had I stayed in Ohio, my life would be so different than it is right now today. So growing up, I would see things, I would hear things, I would feel different things, but I never could understand, you know, kind of what was happening um, mm-hmm. when I was younger. And it was just more so like I would be able to say very detailed things about people that have passed away that I didn't know. And, you know, even in bed at night, it was like, I could feel energy in my bedroom Mm. and it would scare me. And I would always want to sleep with the light on or it would take me forever to fall asleep because I would just feel these different things, but no one was there that I could see, right? So it was very, um, very bizarre to me. And as time went on and I would say different things, it would be very shocking to the people that I would be saying this to because I was so little, like, you know, my mom said I when I started talking like very heavily at two, I was talking about very specific details about someone that had passed away that she knew, even like where his tattoos were and all of these things, yeah. things that I wouldn't have known. And she's like, oh, shit, like what is going on? Yeah. You know? When you told me that story, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But also with me being an introvert and I was just very shy, too, I always felt like I was doing something wrong because of the shock from the people that I was telling it to. Like, you know, I always felt like, oh gosh, should I not, should I not be saying that? Is that not okay to say? So I really pushed it deep down and I never, even if I was feeling or seeing or whatever, I wouldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And years and years went on, but things would continue to happen over the years that Like I was always very into going to psychics, Mm -hmm. even as a teenager. Yeah. I was always like into that world so much. And I always like, you know, was curious or I would go to the library and read books growing up, like even about witches and things that are very taboo and you wouldn't typically as a kid read. Right. But I was so interested and there was always something like pulling me that direction. You were drawn to it. I was drawn to it. Yeah. But also, you know, when you think of a witch, people are always very like, oh, that's scary. And they're yeah, evil. Yeah, there's a and negative association with witches, which yeah, shouldn't be. There shouldn't be because I think there's good and evil everywhere and there's power everywhere. And what you do with it and what you choose to do with that power, good or bad, is up to you. Mm-hmm. And so witches are really in just psychic mediums. It's all the same realm. It's just people have a bad term on on a witch. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, was doing that. I was always really drawn to it. And then when I moved to Arizona, I went to Sedona and I realized how open the world is. Right. And, you know, there would be these crystals and Reiki and all of these different things. And it started to lead me down this path of like, I'm super curious now. And I went, I had a reading and, um, the lady was like, okay, there was like 11 spirits that followed you in here for your reading. Like literally they're following you in here. And I was like, oh, I'm like, well, what's the message with that? 
Did she go into detail about who they were and like? Well, she said to me, you know that you are capable of like connecting with them. Mm -hmm. You need to learn how to do it and you need to like accept yourself. And whenever I would go into readings, I would never tell them in advance about like my childhood because I wanted them to prove to me that they were actually capable of, you know, feeling it. Yeah. But she's like, they're trying to connect to you, but you're not allowing yourself to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the message that they wanted to tell you. And she said to me that one of them said that they're here to party. And going back to like when I was a kid, I used to tell my mom, so-and-so is here to party. And I was saying that so young that, and she said he was wild, like he was a partier. Yeah. So it freaked her out. And so then at that point, I was like, oh my God, this is like real. Like this is happening, right? All of the chips were falling into place, essentially. Yes. And this guy was your mom's boyfriend, right? Yeah. So when my mom was pregnant with me, um, you know, my dad is like always really terrible to her and to me. And when she was pregnant with me, the guy that I'm speaking about would, you know, see her and he'd be like, I wish this was our baby. You know, I wish. And and so, um, you know, I never got to meet him or anything. He passed. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ever get to meet him. But Um, yeah, that's somebody that she really cared like deeply about. Yeah. And you have this strong connection with. I do. Because he keeps popping up. Yeah. I I feel like he's, you know, maybe like a spirit guide or someone that's there for me on the other side for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then once the psychic told you like you really need to lean into this and stop resisting, then did you kind of take the leap and you were like, okay, let's do this? Or how did it go? Yeah. So this was in February one year and March, I took like a course Mm -hmm. and it was cool, but I didn't, I didn't love it. And so one of the girls that I met in that course, she's like, you know what, I'm going to take another one. And would you want to sign up for this other one with me? And it was like a six or eight week course. And she sent me the girl's Instagram page, and that happens to be Candace Dalton. Yes. Your podcast host. My co-host on my podcast. Yes. So I, you know, I'm looking at the the page, and I'm like, I really like this girl's vibe. Like, I'm going to sign up too. Yeah. And so we both signed up together, and we took her course, and I reached out to her after because I was in the process of getting ready to start my podcast. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to have you on as a guest and, like, talk about, you know— your medium abilities and all of that. And uh, in her course, she taught me a lot. She really taught me how to relax my mind enough to be able to get in information. So at that point, I would reach out to like people that I know and say, could you give me a photo of someone that you maybe would want to connect to on the other side? It was like this activity that she had set up. And it was like, I would relax and I would look at the photo and I would meditate specifically for the photo. Mm-hmm. And I'd be able to get information and, you know, write it down. And then I'd be able to relay the information that I got to the person that allowed me to do this. Wow. And so, and Josh was one of them that I reached out to and was like, no, you know, could I practice? I hate to call it that, but it was, it was it practice is, for yeah. me. And so um, there was a few people that like, thankfully was okay with me doing that. And It was so cool because I knew all along that, you know, I could do these things, but I didn't know how to navigate it. I didn't know how to, how to like actually. Control it kind of? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, how does it feel when you have like an energy? Like, what does it feel like? 
Yeah. So um, everyone is different. Who has this ability? Yeah. Everyone is a little different. For me, I'm very, very visual. So if I shut my eyes and I'm meditating, I can visually see like, and it almost looks like if you were looking at your phone and your photos and you were scrolling very fast in your photos, yeah, you know how you yeah, get yeah. like little glimpses of of an image? Mm-hmm. That's the way that it comes through for me. So usually it's or like if you were watching a movie, but it's very fast. Okay, so that's can, a good way to describe it. Yeah, so you can pick up on little things here and there. So I would just, you know, I write it down. And sometimes it's very confusing because— you see something and you're like, oh, in my opinion, it looks like this. But then when you say it out loud, they're like, no. But then when you describe how it looked and all that, they're like, oh my gosh, that's actually for this. So it's all your interpretation of what you're seeing. You know, right. we all have different opinions and, and, and different visuals. It's very subjective. Okay. So then once you start to describe it, then they're like, oh yeah, actually, yes, that's how it is. So it's been very much so a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I don't make any promises. I don't ever charge anyone. I'm still, like I said, a work in progress with it. You're still learning. And still learning. How to like tap into it fully. Yeah. Wow. That is so amazing. Is there one like big, I guess, I, I don't even know what to call it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how did, what, how did, what do you call it? Is there one big like moment in your life that you've had where you're like really been able to feel it where it's like super clear? Yeah. So actually in Candace's course, she had a list of names and she's pairing people up so that we could practice like it's partner work. And she pairs me up with this woman. And I knew before she even said that we were together that I was going to be with her because I could feel a man with that person. We're all on a Zoom call, like with Oh, you it's know, virtual. 10 of us, yes. Oh, okay. With 10 of us on this Zoom call, and I can see everybody's photos. And I see this woman, and I was like, I'm going to be paired with her because I can already feel that there's this man with her. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, I get partnered with her. And shout out Deanna. I love <laughs> you dearly. <laughs> We're still very close. But that night, we weren't supposed to have like the reading until a couple of days later. And that night, I got in the shower after— the course had ended and I was like, I got an entire download of what happened, like how he died, what he was wearing, where he was, um, you know, the whole scenario of who he was to her, all the things. I kept seeing You were in the shower when this happened? I was in the shower because, and the thing too is like, you know, when you're in the shower or when you're driving, your mind is very calm. Yes. Yeah. And it's very relaxed. And so I find that in those two places is when I can really start to get information in. Hmm. So when this happened, I remember leaning out of the shower. My phone was on my little side table out of the shower. And I leaned out while I was mid-shower. And I texted mm-hmm. Deanna and I said, I don't want to be like, inappropriate or pushy, but whenever you're ready for the reading, like I'm ready. And we weren't supposed to do it for a few days. And at this time it was like midnight, my time and like 2 a.m. her time. And she texted back right away and was like, I'm ready. Wow. So I got out of the shower and we FaceTimed and I told her everything that I Uh, saw while I was in there. And it was just one of those moments that she's like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, it felt so real. And I still to this day feel such a connection to that man. I think about him all the time. I feel like he's like 
watching me, like he's there for me on the other side. It was a a very big moment for me because it was like, finally, I'm able to totally be myself. Yeah. And you felt like you didn't have to hide anything or be ashamed of anything. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a relief. What a relief. Um, So this man, mm -hmm. was this her husband who had passed away or? Yeah. So it was her ex-husband that she has children with. Okay. And um, they were not married at his time of passing. They had been divorced for a while, but they're still very, you know, very close. Mm -hmm. And he meant so much to her in her younger years. Um, And so it was just really, really special. And during the reading, I said, you know, and also I kept hearing like aliens are real. I kept hearing like him say that. And she's like, oh my gosh, it's so funny that you say that because he was obsessed with that. Really? Yes. Which then led me to my next chapter because of that. Now, I mean, I've always thought there was something else besides us. Right. But I never really was big into alien stuff. Mm -hmm. So I felt silly actually saying it out loud. And after that, I start looking up things about aliens and I find this whole alien adventure in Sedona that I could go and do. And, you know, you watch, you can see like different things in the sky and whatever. So (gasps) I want to do that. Oh my God. So do you recommend it? I 1 million percent recommend it. Oh my God. I want to do it so bad. So what do I do? My new friend, Candace, Candace? who's not my friend. She's actually my, she was my teacher. Right. I reach out to her and I'm like, I know this is crazy. We don't even know each other, but do you think you would want to like go to Sedona with me and do this alien adventure? Because during the reading in your class, like he kept saying like aliens were real. She's like, yes. She flies to Arizona. A couple weeks later, we drive to Sedona. We do the alien adventure. We record the podcast episode while we're in Sedona. Amazing. I have, I have cold chills right now. <laughs> and it's, we were talking about this last night at dinner. We're like, if it were not for me to just take the course, if we're not for me to be partnered with her, to be told aliens were real, to then ask her to go, none of this would have happened. The butterfly effect. Yes. And it's bringing us all back to butterflies. I know. Like I think about the butterfly effect so Mm -hmm. much. Like if the smallest little things in our lives can change the whole entire outcome of our lives. Yeah. So you guys go on this alien hunt. We go on this alien hunt. uh And... Mind you, we literally don't know each other. Right. She's a teacher in my class. And saying, it's virtual. You hadn't even met no, in person? I We met one time for lunch when I was in LA. I was I was uh, a guest on a podcast and I, I met her for lunch briefly. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, all of this happened. And so she flies here to a stranger's house. Not a stranger, but we don't really know each other that well. Right go to Sedona. We do the alien adventure. And literally you take these laser lights Mm -hmm. and you point them and they will actually point light back to you. Stop. Yes. Uh, I am like no shit. So are you there with like guides who are telling you what to do? Like how many people are there? So it was just me and her and the guide. Oh my God. And we're, I've got pictures. We're laying on on the concrete Mm -hmm. facing to the sky And nighttime, Sedona is very dark at nighttime. Right. So we're looking at the sky. And what's really great about her, and I can give you like her information in case anyone wants to go. But what's really cool about her is that she will say like, oh, you know, that right there is a satellite. That's not what you're looking for. That right there is an airplane. That's not what you're looking for. And I think a lot of times guides, they will make it seem like those things 
are aliens and they're not. Right. So I love that she was just no bullshit and was like, that's not it. You want to look for this. Because once you do find what you're looking for and you're able to point the laser up there at the specific things in the sky, they will literally blink lights back to you. I so have you were essentially communicating with Communicating aliens. with them, yes. So after that, it totally changed my thinking. Yeah, of like, course. Like the universe is so much bigger than what we could ever even imagine. Oh my God, I want to do this so You bad. have to. So the guide is a woman and yeah. she just like started this business on her own? Like how She did. You- it's just her. It's called, I think, SedonaUFO.com, but I will double check. Okay. And um, she is a lover of aliens and all things very, you know, taboo. Oh, I love all of that stuff. Oh, me too. Yeah. The universe is so big. It's massive. Like we have no idea what else is out there. No, it made me a believer. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It gave you faith. (laughs) It gave me faith that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads me into your podcast, which is essentially your baby. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Hen House. So you started that in, what year did you start it? I launched December of 2021. Oh, I'm so off. (laughs) No, no. So that's when I launched. And at the time I've been writing a book and it's called Hen House. Mm -hmm. And I decided, oh, I want to kind of start a podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just started interviewing people anyways, even though I had no clue what I was doing out of my closet. And so I did that. And I I named the podcast Hen House 2 to match my book because I wanted it to kind of all go together. And initially, you know, a hen house is to keep, you know, chickens safe. Mm -hmm. That's what a hen house is. And so at the time, I was like, you know, I want to talk to people and them just tell me whatever they want. And it just be like this very free feeling of. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Like, let's talk about anything and everything. And so, I, you know, I put some episodes out, but just like something just didn't really feel right for me. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it was kind of lonely. It was just me and my guest and then that's it. And there was never really another perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, I just kind of felt like, uh, is is this the right vibe? Is it, you know, and I knew like wholeheartedly, like I totally believed in Hen House but it was like I wasn't quite the hen that I like wanted to be. I wasn't quite there. Yeah. And so time went on and I didn't put out any episodes for like 10 months. You know, mm-hmm. it was like a whole year that I didn't put out any episodes. And I came to L.A. early February and um, I had met Candace for lunch. Again, I haven't seen her since we went to Sedona. <laughs> I met her for lunch and we're talking and I kind of had like a breakdown for a minute because I'm like, you know, I love all this so much. Like I had such a big idea of what I was creating and like what I wanted, but I just something wasn't right. And I just had this breakdown. I was crying at Soho House like, yeah. and I'm like, you know, would you want to be my co-host, you think? And She's like, oh my God, I've been like dying for you to ask me this for a year. Like I wanted you to ask me this back when we went to Sedona, but I didn't want to like overstep at all. Right. And at the time, Candace had her own podcast at the time. Yeah. So she's been podcasting for like almost five years, Healing Grace, the podcast. And it was all about medium and spiritual and like psychic. It was very much so like helping grieving people. Mm -hmm. So she always 
you know, felt like she couldn't really transition from going to talking about the dead to talking about dick, for example. Right. Yeah. So it was the like, dead to dick. Yes. Because that's very much her personality. She yes. is like very multifaceted. Oh, she is. <laughs> she is like a wild child. Yeah. And um, whereas I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so just our dynamic, I feel like she she feeds me. Yeah. In, you in guys a way. balance each other mm-hmm. out, I feel like. Oh, yeah, we do because we're very like yin and yang. Yeah. So I I love her personality. And so she was kind of at a crossroads there for a little while with her own podcast. And she's like, you know, it's very hard for me to be myself fully. Right. Because as much as this is myself, there's a whole other part of me that's wild and fun. And like, right. I want to talk about really fun stuff. And that's what Hen House is. And so she was kind of at a transition period, too. And she's like, I absolutely will like. I am so excited. And that was two months ago. I know, which is so crazy to me. When Mm -hmm. you guys said that, I was like, what? I thought for sure you guys had been doing this for like years together. No. And like, I feel like she was a godsend. Yeah. And it's just a testament how like truly meant to be it was Mm -hmm. and how well you guys flow together because it just is. It's so natural. Yeah. So everybody go check out Hen House for sure. It's such a fun podcast. You guys have interviewed a lot of really cool people so far. So now I want to jump into the acronym MILF because on every episode I have to ask, what do you do to stay mindful? Mindful. I think that as I've gotten older, I would say, you know, just trying really to be mindful about being present in the moment. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm always, I feel like 500 steps ahead Mm -hmm. and always thinking about like either the past or the future. Definitely. And so lately, I've really been just telling myself, like, you're only going to focus on the next 24 hours. You're only going to be excited about the next 24 hours and try not to get like so far ahead. That's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. I can relate because it's so hard to not be 20 steps ahead or thinking Mm -hmm. about what I could have done or should have done or, you know, what can I do? But yeah, that's a good way to put it is just think about the next 24 hours and that helps you stay really present. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like losing something that you really love, like losing my dog that I love just like my whole heart, right? And so I think when that happened afterwards, I was like, you know what? This is a huge wake-up call for me to like really enjoy the exact moment that you have yeah. instead of always, you know, rushing and stressing and being so worried about all these things that are coming in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I can relate to because, um, yeah, I don't th- I don't know if you ever met Pepper, my dog. I didn't, but I know you just loved she, her so much. Yeah, she and was she was like old my, lady too. Yeah, she was 17 when she passed. And I think in a way, Hunter is kind of like her, not reincarnated, but just like it worked out where that Pepper passed away. And then I had Hunter like yeah. a couple months later. So it, it really helped me through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. But it also helped me to also be in that mindset of just being really, really present because you don't want to take things for granted because mm-hmm. you never know how long we have. I know. That's Ugh. why you've just got to enjoy every second of life we can. Definitely. Next, how do you listen to your intuition? Oh. I feel like there's so many instances in your story that you've been able to tap into your intuition and even just your mm-hmm. medium and psychic ability. That's your intuition just screaming at you. It I'm is. Sure, all it, the time. It is. And I think um, trying to differentiate 
between the difference between like anxiety and your intuition. Sometimes that's hard because it's a fine line. Yeah. Um, so I've started to just really try and notice the thoughts that are going through my head. Is it an anxious reaction or is it a reaction of very calm and soothing? Mm, mm-hmm. The calm and soothing, even if it's a bad thought, right. if you're calm, that's your intuition. Oh, I love If this. you're, you know, anxious, like it's festering, mm-hmm. that's your anxiety. And so I've tried to be just a little bit more mindful of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thoughts that are very calm, even if they're bad, the calm ones I've really tried to pay attention to because I think that that's your intuition telling you. Yeah, absolutely. No one's ever really brought that up before. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think it can be confusing sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think your intuition is always like your heart and your gut telling you what's best or, you know, the right thing. Anxiety is a very different feeling. Yeah. What are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables? And this is like a very broad question, I know, but this can be anything from like your morning or nighttime routine, the podcast that you listen to, books that you're reading, just anything that helps you feel like the best version of yourself. So I think carving out time to meditate. Mm, yeah. Um, it's something that is, again, a work in progress. But I think even if you can just start out with maybe like five minutes or even less, you know, a few minutes, that's how I started out is just taking time to be very quiet and mm. just have the peace and insight timer is like a great app and it's free. It. Yeah. And so you can, it kind of like teaches you to be more present and mindful, but it, it also gives your mind just like some relaxation for a minute before like all the stress comes from the day. Yeah. Do you normally meditate in silence or do you usually do like a guided meditation? So when I first started, I would meditate with a guided meditation because mm-hmm. I was really trying to make my mind not wander around. Yeah. Um, and so that's hard. hard. <laughs> it's hard. But someone actually pointed out to me that you know that you're alive when your mind is wandering. It's totally normal. Yeah. So just embrace it. And then noticing that when your mind is wandering, noticing it is the biggest challenge. And once you bring your mind back to the present and your focus on meditation, that's the key. So as long as you're able to bring yourself back is more so what you should be focused on. So I love to lay completely flat down. I'm not someone to sit up. So I like to lay down and I like to put one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly Mm -hmm. and just like take some deep breaths and then meditate. And I do like it to either be in silence or to be maybe listening to like the rain or the ocean or, you know, something that's nature. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you usually do it in the morning? I really like to do it before bed. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cause I feel like it just relaxes you. It mm-hmm. eases your mind and then puts you in just like a better state to sleep in. I'm sure you get a much more restful night's sleep, huh? I do. Well, I try. Yeah. You know, I think the key too is like putting your phone away Yeah. after you're done meditating and you like close your eyes and go to sleep Yeah. instead of, you know, oh, I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to like check 20 emails. That's right. No. Get you That's out of your counterproductive. Your mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is it usually like 20 minutes that you do it for? Yeah. Sometimes I'll go up to like maybe 40. Wow. That's impressive. But I started out literally just five minutes. I promised myself five minutes every single day. You can carve out these five minutes to relax and give yourself some love. There's hope for us. (laughs) Yeah. And so now I've just like built myself up a little more depending on like the time or how tired I am kind of a thing. Mm Because sometimes I'll get so relaxed, I'll just fall asleep. Yeah. I'm going to try doing it at night because I feel like meditation can be like such a daunting thing to think about and such a daunting task because 
I don't know. I just feel like there's this pressure to like sit down and be there for 30 minutes in silence. And that's a very good tip. Just starting out with five minutes, carving out five minutes of your day. Everybody has that. And I'm going to try doing it at night. Yeah, now because I, really I think in the morning my mind is so distracted with all of the things that I have to get done for that day so maybe at nighttime is like the better route to go yeah oh you'll have to let me know Can yeah you post it but I I do like it yeah okay next what's your fitness routine oh my gosh I'm terrible at <laughs> fitness Oh well, you're God. looking amazing darling oh, well thank you but no I am really bad about working out I really enjoy hot yoga Oh, um, so, you know, I, I like the in- extreme heat. Yeah. You know, you feel like a new person. You sweat out all the bad juju from the day mm-hmm. and you really, really feel good when you leave. I'm um, also love a cold plunge, like a cold plunge tub. Yeah. And I know that that's not working out, but mentally, both of those things make me feel very good. So it's more so mental for me. Like I want to feel good. Yes. More so than having the abs, I guess. Yeah. And that just brings us back to our point that it has so much more to do with the mental than the Mm -hmm. physical. Um, And that's what fitness is for me too. It's like, it literally just puts me in a better mood. That's why I do it now. Oh yeah, it does. And we're like hiking to Arizona, you know, we have like great trails to hike and just getting out in nature. And so, you know, I like those things, but I should have a workout routine. I mean, yeah, but I mean, hot yoga and cold plunge—that's really good. Yeah. How often are you doing that? A few times a week. I had someone like awesome on my podcast that I know, and uh, I'll go sometimes like to that cold plunge in his gym. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a cold plunge, like you can fill your tub up with ice, or yeah. you can turn your shower all the way cold, and it's got the same effect. <sighs> but oh my um, God. I mean, it's really, really good if you can get through like that initial your mind saying like, get the fuck out. Yeah. You feel like you're on a high for the rest of the day. Yeah. It's so energizing because it makes you feel like you can like conquer anything. Who needs Adderall at that point? Yeah, exactly. Like you don't even <laughs> you need. Just, you just need some ice. You just need an <laughs> ice bath. And all I just you need. mean literal ice, like yeah. actual ice. Yes. Okay, babe. Well, one last question that I ask everyone at the end of every episode is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? Oh my gosh, so much, right? One thing that I think that, and I say this a lot, I always feel like the grass is greener. Yes, I um, loved when you said that. Yeah, and you know, a, a lot of people say like, oh, the grass is greener where you water it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like if your mind is wondering about something and there's something like nudging you in that direction, I don't think you will ever regret not going or not trying it. So I'm a firm believer that the grass is always greener on the other side. And I said this before, like, I don't ever miss my old grass. Yeah. Ever. That's such a positive note to end on, too. And I think it all just leads back to your intuition. You Mm -hmm. have to listen to your intuition because that saying, you know, the grass isn't greener. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. There's a reason that something inside you is telling you to go do something. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get stuck of not listening to that yeah, or not trusting ourselves or thinking like, what if? Mm-hmm. And anytime that I've ever went, it just keeps getting better. So yeah, I, I think that would be my advice to myself. Stop being so scared and worrying. Go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I Go love be that. free. <laughs> That's such a good note to end on. Can you let everybody know where they can find you and the podcast, all of the things? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's 
Nick, N-I-K underscore underscore Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have, you know, at uh, Hen House Podcast on Instagram. And then we just started TikToking. I guess that's like the new thing to do. I, know. I haven't started it yet. Uh, that's a whole other like... I know. Can of worms. But yeah, so that's Hen House Podcast as well. So that's where I'm at. And you can listen to Hen House Podcasts anywhere you can find podcasts, right? Yep. It's it's anywhere and everywhere. So yay. Yeah. So we did kind of a swap. So I know everybody will have to go check out my episode on yours. And now now you're here on mine. And I'm so thankful. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful to be here. And I remember when you were getting ready to start your podcast and we like talked for a while about it. And I'm so proud of you for like just going and doing it. Thank you. You've been doing it ever since. You've taken like no breaks. So I just, I love that. It's a lot of work and you encouraged me so much and you helped me so much in the beginning. I had all of these questions for you. I was like bombarding you with texts being like, Nikki, what what do I do? (laughs) But so I'm very thankful that you helped me and you're a huge inspiration. And I think your story is just going to resonate with so many people out there, not only women, but men as well. It's just, it's so inspiring. So Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, babe. Well, we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILF Pod. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.